This podcast is made possible by Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield, the whole health company. Welcome to Go Bronx Podcast. We are super duper stoked for this sixth episode titled The Dark Knight. I'm Olga Luce. And I'm Angel. You know, lots of things were made in the Bronx. Take, for instance, haagen ice cream was actually made in the Bronx. Yeah, that's true. Hip-hop and breakdancing was also made in the Bronx. Yes, and I was also made in the Bronx. Well, I was not made in the Bronx. Aw, sorry for you. But holy podcast, Podman! We've got a great story lined up today, and we've invited a friend of ours to help us tell it. It is a story of triumph and tragedy. For the account you are about to hear involves a gentleman who once lived on the Grand Concourse and became co-creator of one of our nation's favorite superheroes, but was denied this accomplishment for many years. But before we continue, let's take a quick break for some sponsor information. The world has changed a lot in the last year, and more than ever, you need health insurance you can rely on. Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield is the whole health company, and that means they are dedicated to improving the health and well-being of everyone in the Bronx and throughout the New York service area. They've been supporting the health of Bronxites for 86 years, providing you access to high-quality, affordable care. To learn how you can make a whole health connection, go to empireblue.com. Sigourney Weaver here to tell you about the New York Botanical Garden, 250 acres, 1 million plants, and you. Now open in the Bronx. Plan your visit at nybg.org. The Residence Inn by Marriott Bronx at the Hutchinson Metro Center on East Chester Road. This all-suite hotel offers an at-home feel with fully equipped kitchens, luxury bedding, a fitness center, free parking, free breakfast, and free Wi-Fi. Grab a bite to eat at their complimentary social hour or order a local craft beer at the bar. It's better in the Bronx. The Residence Inn by Marriott Bronx. For reservations, call 718-239-3939. 718-239-3939. We have with us Mark Tyler Nobleman, author of Bill the Boy Wonder, the secret co-creator of Batman, which by the way, I have as part of my library. He wrote it to correct history and the book inspired the Hulu documentary, Batman and Bill, which was filmed partially in the Bronx. Hey Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Olga. Anything for the Bronx. Oh, thank you. So Mark, tell me, Bill Finger, the boy wonder, who was he? Um, Bill Finger was born in Denver, of all places, in 1914, but he and his family moved to the Bronx when he was very young. I don't know exactly how young, but certainly probably toddler stage. And he grew up in the Bronx. Uh, he went to DeWitt Clinton High School, which is, as you know, a very storied high school. Many other uh, people went on from that high school to become very notable contributors to American culture. Um, and he, he lived uh, the first part of his life in the Bronx and then ended up moving into Manhattan as an adult, but always New York, connected to New York. So 
he actually did have a connection to the Bronx. He did go to DeWitt Clinton. And as you said, many, many notables attended that particular high school. And we'll mention them a little bit later. After DeWitt Clinton, he met up with someone who kind of became somewhat pivotal in his life, though Bill didn't exactly get much credit for the work that these two did together. Tell us about that. So Bill graduated from DeWitt Clinton in 1933. At that time, he was not Bill Finger. He was still known as Milton Finger. That was his birth name. He changed it after he graduated, partly because he didn't like the name Milton, but partly because he thought the name Milton sounded too Jewish. And in those days, even in New York, which is now you know the multicultural melting pot of America, you, you would still see signs that would say, Jews need not apply. I mean, not only Jews, of course, but many, many other people, basically mm. anybody but white men were, were not welcome in, in some capacities. Wow. So after Bill graduated, he became a shoe salesman, which was not his passion. He just was trying to do something for work in the, during the Depression. And he went to a party where he met a guy named Bob Kane, who turns out went to the same high school, even though they didn't know each other there. Bob was a year apart from him, a year behind. And Bob was an artist, and he was already working um, for a company that is now known as DC Comics. It had a different name then. It was called National Periodicals. And Bob was drawing certain strips for this company uh, and looking to uh, make a bigger splash. So he met Bill at this party. They got to talking and Bob found out that Bill had aspirations to be a writer and an artist. And not only that, but it seemed like he had the potential to be a good writer. He seemed to have good ideas. So Bob proposed that the two work together and Bill desperate to write and also desperate to not be a shoe salesman. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It just wasn't his thing. Decided it wasn't to the mecca of creativity, selling shoes. Not, no, not, not generally speaking, no. So yeah, Bill wanted, wanted, was happy to take that opportunity. So, so they got together, they chatted, they were like, they realized that they had a common idea or common goals. And, and then what happened? Well, then, uh, then Superman happened. Superman debuted in 1938, and he is considered the world's first superhero. I, to be precise, he's the first comic book superhero, because comic books were a new medium at the time, not yet the cultural force that they are today. And so comic strips were bigger before Superman. In other words, newspaper comic strips, where you find characters like Prince Valiant and Tarzan and Buck Rogers. Some of those could be, you could argue, are superheroes, but Superman is generally considered the first superhero because he had a secret identity, powers, and a costume. Those three elements are the spokes of what most people define as a superhero. And so Superman was pretty much an instant hit. And he was published by the company that Bob was uh, drawing for. And when Bob saw how much money the Superman guys were making, pretty much right away, he wanted in. So he told an editor at DC Comics that he could come up with a superhero over the weekend which is a pretty big claim, pretty big boast. Wow. He went home in the Bronx and he sketched a character and he had the sense to realize that what he had drawn was probably not good enough. And then he also had the sense to know who to ask for help and he called his friend Bill Finger and they were fairly new friends and they had worked on some strips already but nothing that most people have heard of, not famous superheroes. And Bob showed Bill his idea, his drawing, it was just a drawing, wasn't, there wasn't a backstory, there was nothing besides a, a visual. And uh, Bill liked the idea, but thought that the costume could be improved. So Bill, who was not the artist, again, he was the writer, he made some suggestions to Bob. 
and Bob took them all and he redrew this character. This is all over the course of this one weekend and then brought that character into DC Comics on Monday morning without Bill, not even mentioning that there was a Bill and pitched this character, which apparently the company liked right away and wanted to buy pretty much right away and start publishing. And so that character was Batman. So, so was it Bill's idea to create this orphan boy who went through this trauma, which then propelled him to this, to this life of, of wanting to help people and fight crime? Yes, as the, as the original writer and as the primary writer for the, for the early years, Bill did come up with his origin, this, the story that you, just, that you just mentioned, the story of an eight-year-old boy who is with his parents in the city when they get shot during a mugging and die right before his eyes, which is horrific at any age and certainly when you're young. And then he decides to, become, to, to take this trauma and turn it into something positive and try to help others. And so that did come from Bill. That wasn't in the first story. That was about six months into Batman, six, mm. six um, issues later or so. But it was unprecedented. It was pioneering at the time because most superheroes, well, there weren't that many yet, but most comic book characters and heroic figures in comic strips didn't have a psychological reason to do what they were doing. They were mm. heroes. They were good for good sake. And this was the first real high profile instance of a character that was given a psychological reason. It was almost like a novel uh, in its approach. And that was different at the time. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that Batman stood out and one of the reasons that he endures today is that people could relate, not to someone seeing a murder, but to, to trauma and sadness of some kind. They could understand why someone might be driven like Batman, like Bruce Wayne was. And that was Bill. Bill came up with that idea. We'll be right back. Get it, baby, get it! And now, for a little segment we like to call, Yo Angel! Yo Olga! Baseball fans often refer to the winningest team in Major League Baseball, the New York Yankees, as the Bronx Bombers. Where did this moniker come from? Ah, uh, yes. The New York Yankees, those damn Yankees, or the Yanks, the Pinstripes, or the Bronx Bombers. Our beloved and most maligned hometown team. To answer that question, I've invited an old colleague, Anthony Green. Anthony is a Fordham University graduate and former education director of the Bronx County Historical Society and former tour guide at Yankee Stadium. He is the co-author of the book, Yankee Stadium, 1923 to 2008 on Arcadia Press. Hmm, impressive. He's now currently the Advanced Placement Program Development Lead for the Teacher Training Program of the Ministry of Education of the United Arab Emirates in Dubai. And a big hello to all my friends back in the Bronx. This is Anthony Green coming to you live from Dubai. And today I'm going to talk about the New York Yankees. Now, the New York Yankees have set the gold standard for excellence in sports over the last hundred years. Throughout this time, they've had a number of nicknames, but the most endearing moniker has to be the Bronx Bombers. Now, where does such a catchy nickname come from? Well, after the Yankees acquired Babe Ruth from the Boston Red Sox in 1920, they really ushered in a new age of offensive baseball that changed the sport forever. With a terrifying lineup built around Ruth and the Iron Horse Lou Gehrig, the Yankees set all-time records in multiple offensive categories over the 1920s and 1930s, in addition to collecting seven pennants and four World Series titles. 
Newspaper writers chronicled the games for fans who couldn't afford to make it to the park and couldn't afford to purchase a radio. So they were famous for entertaining fans with their detailed accounts of the games. They also created endearing nicknames. And in the mid-1930s, numerous writers began to call the Yanks the Bronx Bombers due to their prolific offensive output. The name has stuck, and for the most part, the team has lived up to this name for almost a century. And now you know. It wasn't just Batman, though, that I'd say is Batman was born in the Bronx, right? It wasn't just Batman. There were a couple of villains also uh, that Bill and Bob came up with. Tell me about some of those. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, I always say you could stop, stop some random person on the street and ask that person to name three things that they know about Batman. And first of all, most people will know three things. Even people that have never read a comic or seen a Batman movie, he is so pervasive in our cultural psyche that even a grandmother who has never paid any attention to Batman in any real way would probably know something. She might say Gotham City, or she might say the Batmobile. It's just, that's how popular he is. So pretty much anything that that person would name or any random stranger would name probably came from Bill. All the iconic villains, the Joker, the Penguin, Catwoman, the Riddler. So Bill didn't work in isolation. He was working on, on a small team, but he wrote the first stories for all of those characters. He wrote the first story where the Batmobile and the Batcave appeared with those names. He wrote, again, as I mentioned, Batman's origin. He wrote the first story with Gotham City. Any one of those things would be enough to stake a pretty big cultural claim. He did all of those things. And in most cases, you know, he, you know, he's working with another, he was always working with an artist, whether it was Bob or some other artist at the time. The, the story behind the character, in my opinion, and it's not just because I'm a writer, but I just think from, from a, a narrative perspective, the story is what makes a character endure. And Bill, again, wrote the first stories for these iconic characters. So he was able to really connect this, this backstory and, and write something that people were able to very readily relate to. Because, you know, we can all relate to, you know, I mean, not many of us have, have, have uh, endured the type of trauma that Bruce Wayne did as a, as a child. But we have seen things in our lives that to some extent sort of create or make us who we are as adults. So this was his way, or this was Bill Finger using that to help make Batman or at least Bruce Wayne relatable to his audience. And that's interesting that, uh, and that no other, at that point, no other, no other character, no other superhero really, I didn't know that. That's, a, that's really interesting that no other yeah. superhero had that sort of origin story. So what happened after that? I mean, you know, Bill creates this amazing, uh, iconic character to this day. I mean, I, don't, I can't even tell you how many movies were made um, about Batman and how many actors have portrayed him from Adam West to Val Kilmer, not the best Batman, by the way, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Michael Keaton to me has always been my favorite Batman. Mine too. So, Yep, I think Michael Keaton was true to, to the story. And also, uh, I, I would like to think that Bruce Wayne had a little bit of a sense of humor as well. But what happened to Bill Finger? So in those days, things were different in many ways, of course. And in the comics industry, credit was not automatic. Unlike today, where people advocate for themselves and everyone feels that they should rightfully be entitled to be credited for our work, in those days, it was often 
uh, a single name on a comic strip or a comic book. And that would usually be the person who, who started the concept or started the studio, the little shop that would produce it. Because these guys were freelance. They weren't, most of them were not working on site at the company. They did have a bullpen where some writers could work, but they were all generally freelance. They didn't have health benefits um, and that sort of thing. Whoever started the shop would get the credit in many cases. And in this case, it was Bob Kane. So even though he had the idea for a character named Batman, most of the other things that, ha that, that Batman launched with came from Bill, the costume, the names, the story, and eventually the supporting characters and the origin. Those are all Bill. But Bob had locked in with the company this contract, which said that I will be the sole creator, listed as the sole creator of Batman. And Bill apparently agreed to that. And part, part, you know, a lot of people get upset about that. And I've, I've been one of them. I mean, you know, you feel badly that he, that he allowed this to happen. But, you know, if you, if you look at it through the lens of 1939, it's, it's, it was a different, it was a different world and people did that much more readily. So you can fault them to an extent, but then you also realize, well, it isn't like a lot of people realize that, that there was another way. Bill wanted to have a job as a writer. He got it. He wanted to earn money from writing instead of being a salesman and he got that. So he got some of the things that he wanted. Credit probably wasn't as big of a concern for him, especially because comics were so new and nobody could have imagined that Batman would still be around in five years, let alone 80 years. And it was, again, that it was the depression. So people were desperate for work and here was Bill not only getting a chance to work, but getting a chance to do work that he liked. So, you know, there's ways to understand why he might've been willing to let Bob take all, all the credit. Although pretty quickly into this, I think he realized maybe that wasn't a good idea. Maybe I should have fought for myself a little bit more. And he spent the rest of his career writing, which was 25 years, writing anonymously. And probably his regret was growing with each passing year, but also his feeling that it was too late to say something because mm. who would believe him? I mean, there, were, there were only two guys in that apartment on the Grand Concourse when this all started. And one of them was the guy that was lying about it the whole time. So there were no other witnesses to the truth. So Bob King then became famous as the, um, as the creator of Batman. But he, he did, uh, he did um, regret that, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, well, as far as fame, I mean, he had a, a certain degree of fame within the industry. It isn't like he was recognized at, you know, Dwayne Reed. But uh, <laughs> it wasn't that kind of fame. But uh, he, he didn't, didn't show any public regret in Bill's lifetime. 15 years after Bill died, and Bill died in 1974, and the first big Batman movie, the Michael Keaton movie, which I also love, came out in 1989. That was Batman's 50th anniversary. And the same year, Bob put out an autobiography, which he didn't even write himself. He had someone else write his autobiography. Go figure. Um, that was his pattern. And in that book, he said, I wish I could go back in time 15 years to when Bill was still alive and tell Bill, you're the unsung hero of Batman. Your name deserves to be on it and I'll put it on there now. So he, he wrote that in his book. He had that written, or let's put it that way. It was written for his book and he allowed it to go into print. And it was a big revelation for a lot of people. But first of all, Bill was already dead. So Bill never heard that. And also Bob could have taken it a step further and gone to DC and said, well, I think Bill's name should be there. And contractually, I think it would have been possible. But he didn't do that. He, I think he wanted to look like he had done good. And I feel like he was trying to clean his conscience or clear his conscience rather. But he didn't actually 
follow through in a meaningful way. That is a shame, especially um, I'm a big uh, I'm a big superhero fan. I mean, I would watch all the Marvel movies, and I know it's a different uh, franchise, but uh, I, I've watched all the the Batman movies, and you know, it's just a shame that this that this uh, man didn't get his 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 due, but he did with your book and with the Hulu documentary as well. So hopefully he is listening to us and watching us and and uh, knowing that we are ever so grateful for his, his, his vision and his immense creativity. Thank you so much, Mark. This, is, uh, this has been great. I think that our listeners are gonna be fascinated by this story. And I, and I hope that some people will learn the name Bill Finger and understand uh, where his role in our culture and our history is. I do as well. And for those of you that are in the Bronx listening to this, you can now go pay your tribute to Bill in person because the, the, the road that borders the southern border of Poe Park, I think it's 192nd Street, is also now known as Bill Finger Way, effective 2017. So they, the Bronx paid tribute to Bill by renaming a street in his honor. So that's a lovely way to go pay that's tribute. That's fantastic. And the reason for that is, is because many of them actually did, many of the stories actually were created right there in Poe Park, right? Didn't they, didn't they sit there and in, in the backdrop of the Edgar Allan Poe cottage? Yeah, they did. I mean, I don't know how many, to be honest, but certainly in the earliest days, 39 and 40, maybe 1941 or so, Bill and Bob would meet in the park and sit on a bench and talk about Batman. And so even if it was only one time, it's still cool. And it still makes Poe Park even cooler. Um, but I don't know how many times exactly, but yeah, that's one of the reasons that that, that was, site was chosen um, for that, that honor for Bill. Fantastic. Thank you, Mark. Really appreciate uh, you coming on. Listen, uh, hope to see you soon once all of this is over. Yes, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I hope so too. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk about Bill and, and uh, promote the, the creative legacy of the Bronx. Hey, Olga, do you know how many times Burt Ward's Robin character said the word holy to Adam West's Batman in the 1960s Batman television show? No, how many? 378 times. Holy overuse of a catchphrase, Podman. A whopping 378 times. Uh, uh, all right, so oh, we're going to do that. Let's do it anyway. Come on. Well, thank you, Angel. You know, you'll always be my Bronx superhero. Always here to save the day. That's our show for this week. Thank you, Mark Tyler Nobleman. Thank you all for tuning in to our Go Bronx podcast, produced by the Bronx Tourism Council and made possible by Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield, the Holt Health Company. Additional promotional support is provided by NYC and Company. Mucho thanks to our pod headquarters, the Huntington Free Library and Reading Room, for hosting our recording. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GoBXPod. To access some of the links mentioned in this episode and for more information about previous episodes, go to GoBronxPod.com. And while you're there, subscribe to our e-newsletter. As, As always, always, I'm Olga Luce. And I'm Angel. Bronxfully yours.